Lori Hybe, Chris Harrington, and Aaron Courtney, three broads, bringing you stories and strategies exploring manufacturing topics that challenge the status quo while laying the foundations for future success. Together with special guests, they'll celebrate what's working and unpack what is not so you can learn, grow, and succeed. If you want to learn more about your hosts, make sure to listen to episode one. So ladies, I don't know about you guys, but my team does this thing where we do a question of the day and that's how we start every single day. Um, And the question that it's just a fun question. We rotate who has to ask it. The question that was asked today, I was kind of stumped on and I'm so I want to ask you guys this question. It's it's super silly, but (laughs) let's say that you just won a thousand dollars on a scratch off lottery ticket. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't use that money for like putting it towards your bill or something like that. What are you going to do with it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Plane tickets, plane tickets somewhere, somewhere, plane tickets. Yeah. Yeah, Nowadays it's only going to be for you then you can't bring anyone else. Yeah. No kidding. I was like, prices. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's getting bonkers. What about you, Chris? I think I'd put it towards a new treadmill. You know, oh, we're we're going okay. into the winter season. I've had my eye on something. Oh. So, you know, that would make me feel like I could spend a little bit more and maybe get something nicer. So yeah. uh, that's yeah. what came to my mind immediately is like, yeah, put it towards that thing over there that I've been eyeing up. So nice. I was thinking like food somehow, like a fancy restaurant that <laughs> wow. was like, Something that I would never, ever normally go to. But then I was like, but I don't even know like what that is. Or So I started Googling like, what can you buy for a thousand dollars? There's some really interesting things like a drone or like I did see like a treadmill oh, and some yeah. other stuff. So yeah, um, yeah I, I, d- I like the meal idea, though. Like, I, yeah, not, I love not one where it's stupid, person. like gold dust. Like, that's dumb. I want something that tastes like it costs a thousand dollars, but like because yeah, sure. it's delicious. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. I'm sure we could talk about that for a long time, but uh, we want to get Jennifer White in the conversation. She is yeah. our amazing guest today. Hey. Jennifer hey. genuinely enjoys helping B2B clients solve their lingering problems with analytical yet creative and innovative solutions. She has a passion for helping teams transform their organizations with quality, service, and delivery standards to achieve higher profits by creating efficient processes while increasing visibility in performance optimization through data. Jennifer has found a unique ability to connect people while also linking data and technology to achieve results. Over the last decade plus, she has supported and led various projects in the manufacturing, operations, and supply chain functions. Jennifer is the CEO of the MJW Group, headquartered in Charlotte, North Carolina. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Yay. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. Finally. <laughs> Finally, yeah. Yes. We're excited to have you. We yeah. are excited to have you. Thank you. Yeah, Jennifer oh, and I have, have gone. Um, I just shared, you know, pre-show before we hit the record button. We've we met <laughs> um, you know, early 2020. Uh 
Try not to sure use did. those other Pre, ones. It was before the shutdown or? Yeah, after, no, yeah. after shutdown. Okay. I was, uh-huh. I was uh, going super hard on connecting digitally and, and yeah. the yeah. people. Um, and yeah. that's, we were in some other circles that we didn't totally know each other through um, the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program. So um, oh, yeah, we connected cool. and um, yeah. So as soon as we said, who do we want on this show? Jennifer definitely came to mind. Yay. Well, so glad you're here. I mean, you're not in Wisconsin, but that's (laughs) cool because now that we have this, this, I'm always so grateful, you know, the shutdown, all that horrible stuff. And now look at how many friends we've made all over the country. (laughs) I love it. We definitely like to have people outside of Wisconsin invited to the party. Totally. For sure. So Jennifer, you want to just give us like the elevator pitch on uh, the MJW group and just kind of, what is it that you do there? Sure. Um, well, as Lord mentioned, I'm the CEO of the MJW group, and we are a performance improvement and leadership development minority-owned boutique management consulting firm. So I know that's a mouthful. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, we were founded in 2017 by two engineers that uh, ultimately realized an opportunity to build a company that transformed the way projects are being delivered within organizations. So our ultimate goal um, is that we set out to improve the flow of information, communication, and project execution mm-hmm. based on people, processes, data, and technology. That's awesome. awesome. That's that important. Yeah. 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 It. It's kind of like merging the people part with the tech part, which is always one of my favorite things. Um, and if you were found by engineers, we know it's tight and tidy. <laughs> you can trust it. That's true. <laughs> can, you share, can you share with our listeners how you've seen manufacturing shift over the years? Oh boy. Um, let's see. I got into the manufacturing world um, when I was in college. So I remember um, I went to school for industrial engineering at yeah. the University of Central Florida, UCF. And, <laughs> um, I remember my first manufacturing class, like we were on CNC machines. We had yeah. to make this mm-hmm. little um, pin holder and my parents still have it um, <laughs> at home. And we Proud got moment. measured on our the uh, the measurements of our barrels if we were within tolerance, the lathe machine, the mill machine. So that was like my first hand-on experience with manufacturing. Um, and I went on to do a couple of internships, um, one with uh, a defense contractor in the Orlando area, mm-hmm. and the second with one of the largest amusement parks in the Orlando area. Oh, <laughs> was that so? That's fun. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, and so um, that amusement park had a whole industrial engineering um, oh, department. Cool. And so ah. it was really cool to be in the park operations to really look at flow of people and where mm. to place certain things so people are attracted yeah. to it. Mm. Um, but it, in regards to manufacturing, that was that was my first um go around with looking at how things are produced, how, how goods are produced, how they're transported from, you know, the manufacturing facility into the in hands of the, the customer. And I would say, um, I think we've gone through a couple of years here mm-hmm. where we've tried to lean out as much as we could. 
Um, and I think with the pandemic, we we now know that just in time is is not working well yeah. for us. Mm-hmm. Right. We cannot allow our our goods to become that lean, the inventory to be that lean yeah. to where it cripples the right. whole supply chain. Sure. Like it cripples getting products into the hands of those end customers. And so I think now manufacturing is starting to move back onshore, less offshore, or finding other ways we can be um, collaborative if we are going to remain offshore to where it's not Mm -hmm. crippling um, our overall infrastructure here Mm -hmm. in the U.S. Yeah, that's a that's a really good observation. It's a wake-up call, and it's so funny, isn't it? Because it's a wake-up call for the industry, and for the consumers at the same time, which so rarely happens. Usually things happen in industry and it's all behind the scenes, behind the curtain and the consumers are like, whatever. And now we're all like, what? Where's my stuff? I got a thousand hot dollars burning a hole in my pocket. Can't buy that treadmill. And I think we're still seeing the effects. I was in the grocery store this morning and the egg shelves were very low and I was like what's going on with the eggs yeah (laughs) where where's the eggs (laughs) it is fascinating when you go to the store and you realize the impact is you know we're just so used to like I can go get it whenever I want but now you have to be a little bit more strategic and thoughtful about what you're getting because it might not be there next time you want to go get it yeah yeah some real paradigm shift Mm -hmm. well so Jennifer like you have all this awesome experience down from being on the floor and, and learning from the magical masters at the theme park. Um, and so you have, you must realize how important consistency is for manufacturing. That's just like, it's, it's sort of like deep there in there. Right. And then a disruption like the pandemic comes along and that, that's so um, foreign because of, you know, how it disrupts consistency. What can manufacturers do to be better prepared for those major disruptions? Yeah, I think um, with the wake up call now, um, organizations need to put in some plans around contingency. So they really need to create, I, I like to call them the logic cases of, you know, if then, then what, you know, yeah. we have to think of, of that perspective, you know, if there's an act of God, if there's an act of war, you know, kind of like your like what our insurance companies do, right? You have to evaluate all the risks, like all the way around in your organization and call out these gaps that you are immediately seeing yeah. and start to put some things in place to address those gaps. Now, are you going to hit it 100% out of the park? No, no one's ever, you know, bulletproof to anything that's right. going on in the world. But I think having some contingency around the risk, um, yeah. measuring the risk that organizations are now taking, like I mentioned, we're bringing production back on, on shore. So yeah. what does that mean? I mean, it's going to cause the cost of goods in the U.S. to increase. Wages right. have increased. We've already been seeing the ramifications of that. Um, so just being as much as prepared as you can around contingency and not just not not just like the technology that we use in manufacturing or our machines, but also your resources. Like, what are we going to do? I'm hearing from um, other business owners um, in our space that the trades have just diminished. Like, mm. 
we don't have anyone like I mentioned the the yeah. CNC machines we don't have yeah. that many people that know those machines anymore or have those skills so we need to figure out what we're going to do with the generations you know to come and making sure if manufacturing is going to be you know one of the major heartbeats in the U.S. how do we keep attracting people to that um, keep them engaged or find different ways to produce our goods so is that something that your team does like the scenario planning can you kind of walk us through how you would help somebody like Thinking about contingencies when I have one thing that I do and do super well is going to be <laughs> hard. So what would you do if you were to help me with that? Yeah, so this is what we like to call the organizational change management because this, if, if you're not practicing this in your organization now, it's going to be a huge change, obviously, for, for the organization because um, I think in my, I, I would just say in my parents' generation, they didn't really move jobs that often right Right. and so you knew who to go to for one particular thing and that person had the keys right they had all of the knowledge whereas now we have to figure out how to transfer that knowledge digitally or onto paper or make it visible three five different ways because we're all learning at different speeds now there's so much information coming in front of people yeah. and their attention span is like less than 20 seconds. Right. So how do you, like I was mentioning before, how do you keep them engaged, right? How do you make sure this change that's rippling through your organization yeah. remains true and it is consistent. And so we we work with our clients to implement forms of, of OCM or strategic planning, succession planning at times just so we're addressing that first variable of people. Like people, what are you yeah. doing with your people and how does it affect the processes and the data you're capturing or you're not capturing at the moment and the technology that that your users and employees are consuming? Yeah, That's yeah. Great. The people question. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I, I really like what you shared, Jennifer. If then, then what? I think that's a n- real good nugget uh, to leave our audience with mm-hmm. because sometimes when you think about contingency planning, it seems so big, right? But if you take yeah. some of your critical things and you apply that to the critical things, uh, it turns out uh, being very valuable. I'm curious. So, you know, Aaron asked the question about how you work with your current clients. I'm curious on, you know, when companies recognize that maybe they do need a technology solution, do you get involved in helping them identify some of the critical requirements for that? Can you talk a little bit about that process as well, potentially? Yes. Business analysis is one of our strong points here at the firm. Um, we do deep dive um, with our clients if they're going through vendor assessments or evaluations, and they're looking for that right solution for them. So we'll help them set up demos with, with those vendors, um, address key requirements that are needed um, for that organization. If that vendor doesn't have that, um, can, we, can we create it? Can we implement it? Can can they configure their solution to meet the needs of, of the organization? So we do get involved with a lot of business analysis and translating requirements between mm-hmm. the manual process and the technology itself. Nice. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, we meet a lot of companies and I know that's true for Aaron and Lori as well. Um, but, and oftentimes the companies don't go through the requirements gathering. Um, it's yeah. <laughs> how many people will jump to a solution before they've really right. uh, analyzed the problem completely to understand what are their requirements for a solution? Oh, well, they right? just figure it out when you're halfway to the solution. That's when the requirements start to show up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's why projects Definitely contact often... Jennifer White to help you with yeah. your requirements gathering because it's so critical before you're mm-hmm. identifying the solution. Uh, yeah, that's why a lot of projects are often delayed, right? And they're yep. way over budget. <laughs> <laughs> because of that step, no one wants to do, um, I shouldn't say no one, but yeah, a lot of orgs don't want to do that step, but it is so critical to invest in that step. So you don't have those delays and you're not getting questioned, you know, why are we half a million dollars over budget just, you know, six months in. That's right. Good stuff. Um, we're going to switch over to a fun question here. Can you share with our listeners something interesting about yourself that most people don't know about you? Hmm. I am an avid baker. Um, <gasps> That's me using my my right brain, right? Because I'm so logical and analytical all day. So, but when I do bake, right? Yeah, recipes have measurements. No, oh, yeah, I yeah. think very, it's a very left brain activity. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, you decorated. Okay, okay. Good. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, so once it's out of the oven and it's ready to go. Um, but yeah, cheesecake. Oh my god, like <gasps> I love cheesecake. I love cheese baking cheesecakes all all kinds, and I have everything ready to make a pumpkin cheesecake. <gasps> yes, yeah, that time of year. <laughs> but yeah. I've done Oreos, Snickers, mm-hmm. all of the fruit, um, mint, mint Oreo, mint chocolate. What's um, the weirdest one you it. ever made? Did you ever make one that you're like, nope, never going to do that again? I think it was something I called a Hawaiian cheesecake. It had <laughs> like pecans and pineapples uh-huh. and like mm. coconut and well, a cherry good. on top. No, I don't like but it, but it didn't, it didn't really, you were like, and eh, no. <laughs> So that's another thing we have in common, actually. <gasps> I love cheesecakes. And when when I got married, one of our wedding gifts was the the three different um whatever they're called, the pans, the that you can, you know, that seal it up. I, there's a name for it. I forgot. I guess spring called. form. That's the word. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also got a book of the 50 like blue ribbon award cheesecake recipes. And I'm Ooh. working my way through making oh, all of them. Um, there's yeah. an amazing pumpkin one that I've made numerous times. Um, there's, oh, there's can I be a, your taste test? An Irish cream, yeah, right? like a Irish cream one that is amazing. Oh, I've made an Oreo man. one. Oh my God. Yeah. So we should, we should do some recipe sharing then. Oh, and, and taste testing. Tasting. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'd love to, to eat cheesecake. Does that yep. count? Yes. Okay. I would never have been able to supply the word spring form. I'm definitely the eater, not the creator or the baker in this this group. Uh, You have different shaped pans, Lori, because I do have a heart. Oh, fun. Well, no, I've, I've just got three different sizes. Actually, what I've been doing is instead of using the spring form pans, I use cupcake pans. 
because then I make little ones, little ones. Yep. And it's because otherwise you just have this big thing sitting in the fridge and you just got to eat it. (laughs) Yes. I think that sounds good. So this sounds like a pro easy to like share with your friends and your family and your coworkers and, you know, and then you can freeze them too, which is, so that's kind of, I've been playing, that's a trial and error thing for sure. Like how much and how long to bake it and everything. But anyways, mm-hmm. I don't know if we can talk about that forever. Um. <laughs> well, I actually think it's a good, it's a good, it kind of wraps things up, right? Because like when you're a baker, you need to be consistent. You need to yeah. replicate a process, but things happen. Mm-hmm. And a good baker is prepared. Like, you know, an ingredient isn't quite what you expected. And so you mm-hmm. are sort of doing that contingency planning so that you don't waste all your ingredients. And I'm just so grateful for for you, Jennifer, and for the work you do, because again, it's too much to do all of it and to think of all of it and to anticipate everything. And if you can find somebody that you trust Mm-hmm. who has experienced like hey folks these are all the things what what was it um chris the if then then what, then what? yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so i just i appreciate the ability to think like that because that's that's not one of my strength areas so i'm kind of in awe of you and i'm really glad that you came on today and i yeah. want to eat all the cheesecakes <laughs> i know now i want one <laughs> <laughs> all right so now we're gonna switch to the i just learned that segment um let's start with chris what did you just learn all right i'm gonna do a fun one because i was i was reading this and some of my reading uh this morning but uh i think we all know lizzo uh yes female rapper artist wonderful i'm i'm a huge fan Mm -hmm. joy Yes. Well, apparently she was at the Library of Congress and she took a tour of like all of these instruments that were in the library. And there is a crystal flute that was made for James, uh, President James Madison back in 1803. And she asked if she could play it. So she played it, but she also got an opportunity to play the flute in her concert. So this past Tuesday night, she had a concert and she played this crystal flute from 1803 and she twerked while she was playing it. (laughs) Is there a video of that? I would love to see. You got, okay. You got to share the link. Got to share the link. Was it actually, I didn't see a video. I only learned that she did this. But I think apparently when she went through the Library of Congress, she picked up a lot of the different instruments um you know she's a a well-trained flutist i think that's what Fla- flautist flautista no no but that was pretty that's something interesting that i learned that i thought would be fun and light to share with everybody so. that's awesome wow. Wow. she's Love great it. cool yeah yeah yep. all, all right, right. What about you, Lord? oh me sure i'll go <laughs> um this is Some might find it boring. Others find it fascinating. And that's (laughs) cryptocurrency. Um, And I could go on and on. So where it gets a lot of media attention is where people are making investments and NFTs and also losing some money. Um, But it's been around for a while. And there's some people that are really excited about it It as an opportunity to um, take care of some of the Uh, let's say exploitative tendencies of our financial system. And uh, 
other people are using cryptocurrency as a way to exploit people. So the government's stepping in and that on in some circles, that's not a good thing, but I think it's a great thing because it means that they're taking this new technology seriously. They're protecting people. Um, and now we all know that uh, we're going to have somebody watching out for us. So I think that's pretty cool. Interesting. Yes. All right. Cool. Good. <laughs> What right, about you, Lori? What do you know? Oh, you know, I should bring a fun one one day. I always go to like marketing because that's, <laughs> that's that's like what I read nonstop is marketing information. <laughs> that's fun bring for you. It, it yeah. is fun for me, that's but so I don't know fun. if it's fun for everyone else. <laughs> um, fun for all of us. So there was a study that, and I always find studies because you guys know I just like looking at that kind of data. Um, a study recently about influencers. So first off, influencer oh. marketing is going to continue to grow um, even more so on on B two B and consumer side, um, and and a lot of I I see a lot of ads for this because I'm in marketing, but um, a lot of what you see about influencer marketing is kind of that get rich quick scheme. You know, you know, yeah. start a YouTube channel and make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, but so the study uh, audited like the actual financial impact that these influencers have from their activities, and only about four percent of influencers or creators are making more than six figures a year. So, um, I would say, you know, there's always, everyone's got these grandiose ideas. Oh, I'm going to start an Instagram channel and make all this money. Well, it's really hard to do that. And it's a lot of work and it's, it's not, you're not going to become a millionaire overnight by doing What? (laughs) (laughs) Why? That's why I'm on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Right, Jennifer? This is how we're going to make our millions or at least a thousand. (laughs) What about you, Jennifer? Yeah. So I learned uh, recently that Love is Blind is casting here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. If you haven't seen that show. It's a good matchmaking show. Yes, <laughs> I don't know I'm what that is. All but okay. <laughs> the matchmaking type of shows. It's just interesting. Are you going to be on like, it? Oh, no, I'm married. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't but know. I'm, I'm wondering who here in my city will apply and be on it and get Ow. selected because this is going to be great TV to watch. Uh, there you go. <laughs> and it's fun when it comes to your city. Oh, you have the, oh yeah. You can look around and say, hey, I know where that is. I know where that is. Yeah. And, yeah, and then mm-hmm. hear the story. Yeah. And the se- points of separation, right? You might know because my cousin's on it or something like that. That's yeah. hilarious. Okay. Uh, that's, <laughs> well, I'll that's keep, fun. I'll tune in maybe. I don't know. What's it, what's it on? I Let's think it's on Netflix. It's hosted by Nick Glashay and Vanessa Glashay. I think of them. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really good. It is. Oh, awesome! <laughs> now I have a new recommendation. All right. So this was super fun conversation, Jennifer. If anyone was interested in getting in contact with you, what's the best way that they can do that? Find me on LinkedIn. Ooh. I'm always there. LinkedIn.com/slash <laughs> Jennifer MW. Yep. All right. Cool. Well. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. We love the conversation and definitely listeners, please uh, let us know if there's anything that we can do to help you out. Let us know if you want us to interview someone. Um, Always open to having the challenging conversations as well. So if there's a topic you'd like us to dive into, don't be shy to reach out. Thanks everyone. Have an awesome day. Thank you.
this wraps up today's broadcast. If you're looking to shake up the status quo at your organization or just want to connect with these broads, visit mfgbroadcast.com. Contact Lori Hybe for your strategic digital marketing initiatives. Contact Chris Harrington for OEM and aftermarket digital solutions. And contact Aaron Courtney for web-based solutions for your complex business problems. We've got a great offer specifically for our listeners. You can find more information about the offers and your hosts at mfgbroadcast.com.